Greetings to the brightest audience in the country. This is Real Science Radio. I'm Fred Williams. And I'm Doug McBurney, science geek, Bible student, amateur comedian. It's good to be back with you, Fred, talking about real science on Friday. Well, Doug, it's great to have you back. I hope you had a happy new year. Well, cold, cold, but looking forward to some warming. Looking forward to some global warming. Yeah. How about you? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, it's glad to have you back on the show after being on assignment. And today, Doug, we're going to talk about why are we here? I mean, that's like one of the great questions of philosophy. And it's not, a, it's not a question I struggle with, Doug, but there are a lot of great thinkers throughout history that apparently have. And, you know, I think it is something we should stop and ask ourselves regularly just to make sure we're not getting off somewhere we shouldn't be. Yeah. So, so this week, we're actually going to get into the question of why is Real Science Radio here? That's a why really good is question. Why Real Science yeah. Radio here? Yeah. We're in the second week into our shows for this year. We've got a lot of great shows planned. Looking forward to yeah. a lot of them. So we need to talk about why is Real Science Radio, why is this show important? But Doug, mm -hmm. we're also, we've started that interesting fact of the week segment the interesting fact of the week, you got to figure that if a whole week has either gone by or is coming at you, there has to be at least one thing interesting happening. That's or at least one thing interesting to observe, right? Or why would you do a show? That's right. And, you know, to our listening audience and our viewing audience, if you have an interesting fact you'd like to share with us, please email it in and we'll consider it on our list of uh, interesting facts. So, Doug, here's the interesting fact of the day. What animal can make 276 facial expressions? Uh, well, of course, um, the camel. I mean, that's obvious. <laughs> the camel, okay. No, uh, incorrect. It's the cat. The cat can make those 276 expressions. So, there you go. Like the common feline cat that you would have in your house. Yes. I mean, not, not that you would have in your house, not that uh, I would have in my yeah, house. Yeah, no, I wouldn't have one, and if I did, the cat would be named Fourth and Long, but that's another Wait. story. <laughs> now, me, I like cats okay. I wasn't yeah. aware that they were that expressive. I'll have to, uh, yep. well, I'll watch more closely next time. That's for sure. Yep. So, back to today's show topic, we're talking about why is real science here? So, Doug, why is real science radio here? Fred, as I believe it was Kamala Harris who famously said, we should be wherever we are doing what we must do. And of course, doing it there and together getting it done. But I'm going to be even more bold than Kamala Harris. I mean, if that's possible. And I'm going to say that we should be about preaching the gospel, about bringing glory to God. And I mean that, Fred, not just for pastors or radio hosts or podcasters. Uh, really, everybody, as, as often as we can make an opportunity to preach the gospel and to bring glory to our Creator and, and our Savior, God, the God of the universe and Jesus Christ. 
Yeah. Well, amen on that, Doug. You know, the way I view Real Science Radio is as soon as we can bring about the fullness of the Gentiles, then we're out of here and in paradise. So, you know, get the truth out to as many people as we can. Yeah. You know, speaking for myself, I think back to when I got started down the path of creation science. So there was this coworker who told me that evolution was a proven fact, and I had never really looked into it. And I, you know, honestly, I never really fully believed in evolution, but I definitely believed in millions of years and dinosaurs, you know, lived millions of years ago. So when he was so adamant how evolution is a proven fact, that's what got me started looking into it. And roughly at that same time, interestingly, I just started listening to Bob Inyard on TV. And also I was playing basketball with this guy who is a pastor at a church. And we ended up, my wife and I ended up going to his church because he was the same denomination my wife was at the time. At the time I was a Catholic, I was a carnal Catholic, I was Christian, but you know, hardly ever went to church. So anyways, I'm playing basketball with this guy. And it turns out, you know, he's the same pastor, the type of denomination my wife goes to, which is a conservative uh, Lutheran church called Missouri Synod. So I got in a conversation with him. We became friends. And he gave me a book called What is Creation Science by Gary Parker. And that's what really got me just enthralled. And at the same time, almost some part of me was angry that I had been brainwashed for so long because I'd never heard any of the arguments, not only that were powerful for intelligent design and against evolution, but probably more important for me, all the evidence against Earth being billions of years old. So what was interesting also is Dr. Gary Parker, he was an evolutionist and it was science that led him to faith in Christianity. And it could have been that it led him to a stronger faith, but I believe it actually is what convinced him to look into the Bible. So, you know, wow. I know that there's lots of examples of creation scientists that I've spoken to over the years. That's how they began. It's the science that really got a foothold in them. Because if you believe in evolution in millions of years, I mean, that contradicts the very first book of the Bible. You know, and Satan's pretty clever. He knows that if you can get someone to doubt the opening chapter, why believe the rest? So, at least that's you know my story and i've again i've talked to a lot of creation scientists who that's how they began and you know i'm an evidence guy doug if there wasn't overwhelming evidence if there wasn't the invisible things that god has created and to know that we know that he's true and real by the things that he has made as it says in romans 1 it's cool to be a creationist cuz we definitely have overwhelmingly the evidence on our side I'll tell you my story. I mean, I was fortunate in that my mom and dad read to me from the Bible from the time I was a little kid. And no matter how much doubt the the public schools put in my mind, or even more than that, my own pride put in my mind about having a relationship with God as I grew into a, a rebellious, arrogant young man, there was this nagging fact in the back of my mind that I could not push the creator out of the picture. It was like creation was a literal interpretation of creation in Genesis was like a tether that held me before I could float out there too far to never, ever come back. And so I'm thankful that I was taught a literal interpretation of Genesis from the time I was a little kid. Yeah. What a blessing that would be. So 
One of our producers had conversations with a young man on something called Discord. I don't know if you've heard of that. I've, I don't use it, but I, I'm aware of it. Discord, I, I know the definition. It means to be out of cord. So, <laughs> yeah, there anyway, you go. Doesn't it are, doesn't are, that mean like strife or or arguing or well we'll have well, to ask. We'll, we'll have to ask because we have a guest coming on. In fact, when we talked to him offline, he's a bass player. So he plays in the band. So maybe discord means he's playing the wrong chord. But I guess you can't play a chord on bass. I guess we could ask him that. I know you can play a chord on guitar and a piano, but bass, I don't know if you play chords. But anyways, one of our producers suggested that we get together and talk with this guy. So, Doug, what do you think? Yes, uh, we want to welcome to the Real Science Radio Airwaves, Mr. Kurt Rushlow. He is a Navy veteran. He works in the security industry. He's a bassist for Trump Whistle in San Jose, California. He's currently working on a degree at Southern Evangelical Seminary. Kurt is known on Discord and around the web in general as an amateur apologist, a Bible believer, and an autodidact. Welcome, Kurt Rushlow. Hey, Doug. Hey, Fred. Thanks for having me on. Hey, so Kurt... Big, well, wait. The big question. Can you play a chord on a bass? <laughs> You can play a chord on a bass. Bass chords oh. are very pretty. <laughs> okay. Hey, Fred, that's an idea for the interesting fact of the week, maybe for one of the yeah. weeks in the future, is how many strings are on a bass guitar? Because I think most people who don't play bass, they don't know. Yeah, good. Yeah, you're right. So let's I, not let the cat out of the bags, so to speak. We'll, we'll keep yeah, the lid on that the one. The cat with 276 <laughs> expressions. So, so Doug, when you were introducing Kurt, I got to ask Kurt, I think, Doug, you might have said Trump Whistle. Is that the name of your band? Trump Whistle? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. I think you may have coined the term, though. Yeah. I like that. The Trump Whistle. It's a Freudian slip, right? Yeah. <laughs> What's on the brain? Yeah, so thump, thump, thump whistle. W thump yeah. whistle. Okay, you know it's always hard to come up with a band name. I know how that you know how hard that can be. That's that's a pretty good name, I think. So, I like it. I like it. And so, and if you're able to play chords on the bass, well, I'm already impressed because I didn't even know that was possible. And before we get started, Kurt, I don't know how familiar you are with our history and our show here, but. The show was founded by Pastor Bob Enyart, uh, just a great minister and a witness for the Lord who, who led quite possibly thousands of people to faith in Jesus Christ. And for about 25 years working in his ministry, I can't tell you how many men have told me over the years that creation science was the key was the key that got their attention to bring them to faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, I'm reminded of my neighbor. He's an engineer, and he told me that he got out of college, not a Christian. Obviously, in college, he was taught evolution, millions of years, billions of years, the Big Bang, everything. And as he started to work in engineering, he said, you know, what I was applying in my daily job, the engineering, the mathematics, the, the scientific method, all of the, all of the rational things that I had to do every day, he said they just went against everything that I had been taught in college. And so he ended up picking up a book by a, a creation author. This is 
back in the early 1990s, back at the, I guess you'd call it the dawn of the modern creationist movement, maybe not the dawn, but early in the modern creationist movement. And it eventually led him to faith in Jesus Christ. And so tell us about yourself first. Kurt, are you a Christian? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and unapologetically and you know, constantly thinking about it. And so were you raised in a Christian household? No, no, not at all. Hmm. So I was definitely raised atheistically. Uh, my grandfather, quite an intellectual, very smart man, very skeptical and very critical of the Bible, which he somehow, he knew it pretty well. Oh. And so I, I was raised just uh, how ridiculous it was. Uh, okay, why did, what, did Satan go and hide all those dinosaur bones? And how could a whale swallow a man? Just, just all those things raised with thinking that way, because that's what my grandfather told me. So I'm curious what eventually led you to creation and believing in the Bible, becoming a Christian. Yeah, that's it's kind of a long tale because introduced to it and struggled with it kind of early on, like as a teenager, because I had a Christian friend. And so he he would witness to me, we'd discuss and things like that. And so to a degree, it affected my heart and my head couldn't reconcile <laughs> everything, all, all the stuff that I learned through evolution. So the first thing that probably really shook me is the conversation that I had with him and, and just a question he asked me. He said, he said, Kurt, come on, you know that you have a soul, right? Like deep down in your heart, you know you have a soul. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't answer yeah, but that oh, it struck me like that, right? Like I couldn't, I couldn't really honestly answer no. So there was just something internally there that conflicted with my atheistic views. And then the second time, and, uh, you know, I was... I was kind of a heathen, <laughs> so, especially as a teenager. So same friend, and, you know, he probably shouldn't have been doing this either, but we were partaking in the devil's lettuce, so to speak. Yep. Sure. <laughs> this, this, this makes it a unique uh, testimony, I guess, because being in sin, man. But uh, we're just having a good time and whatever. It's fun, laughing, haha, hanging out. And he says, for no reason at all, he goes, Kurt, do you know the difference between a God trip and a Satan trip? And I'm like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, okay, well, tell me. He's like, okay, so right now we're having a Satan trip. We're laughing. We're having a good time. We're getting high, hanging out, all of that. And I was like, okay, yeah, sounds fun. So what's a God trip? And then his face just gets serious, and he just, like, stares at me. And he goes, Kurt, you are sinning right now and that just uh -huh. man that i that hit me like a ton of bricks felt like my soul was in the ring with mike tyson <laughs> that's the first yeah. time i felt god's conviction and so that yeah. that stuck with me for a long time um the law is perfect for converting the soul now before we move on i want to remind everyone that it is telethon month you may have noticed that in 2023 we didn't do a telethon that's because with your support, we've been so blessed that our ministry that's run on a shoestring budget for the last 25 years, we didn't run on a shoestring budget in 2023. And in 2024, we actually have a plan to grow. We want to acquire and fund an entire media team so that we can bring not only 
Real Science Radio, the Dominic Enyart Show, but the entire ministry, including the Bob Enyart Library, with all the amazing resources that Bob built over his career. We want to bring that to a wider audience. We want to reach more people, especially lost people, and we want you to come along with us. Our goal is $25,000. You can click through at rsr.org. Go to the store, uh, buy any one or two or 10 of our resources, sponsor a show, sponsor a week's worth of shows, a month's worth of shows, make a donation, a monthly donation to help us to build our media team, to reach out to more of the lost with everything that, that this ministry has to offer. We're so blessed by your support in 2023. We look forward to 2024 and growing and getting bigger and having a bigger impact for Jesus Christ. And we appreciate it and want you to come along with us. Right. So is that Christian friend, you know, and he, and he did give me the gospel. And again, in my heart, kind of believed in Jesus. I read Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. So I saw some logic in there. And one say... I was saved yet. I think I kind of had a false conversion. I did go. I, I got baptized in the Navy, but I, I just I continued to live like a heathen. So it didn't really take. And again, it was this struggle between like, I think in my heart, I kind of, I kind of got it, but it was just all the stuff, right? Especially all this evolution stuff, because the Bible clearly said something differently. <laughs> it said something different yeah. to what, what Christians were claiming. And my head just couldn't, couldn't wrap around it. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you say it's funny that you say that this makes this something of a unique testimony that you were just hanging out and partying and getting high. And it's actually not that unique, I don't think. I think mm. it's actually fairly common, even, even for Christian kids who grew up in America circa 1960 to day before yesterday. That's been the experience for so many of us. You said that this fellow was your friend. So how did you know he was your friend? What makes you say he was your friend? Well, I'm 39 now, and he's still still my best friend. So. <laughs> but uh, no, we just lived in the same same neighborhood and went to school together, rode the bus together, all that. So just... I like how, you know, you're an example that, you know, when the Bible talks about the law pointing us to Christ and the passage in the Old Testament that I don't have the verse on the tip of my tongue, but it's basically the law is perfect for converting the soul. So it was the law that kind of convicted you mm -hmm. and made you consider, you know, because God puts the law on our hearts. He says that in the Bible. So that's interesting. You know, yours is actually a fairly common testimony that I've heard through the years. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the Baptist at my church looked at me like I was a unicorn or something when I told him that. So Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You'll get that. Yep. So your friend told you you were sinning, and that resonated with you, mm -hmm. right? That's awesome that he had the fortitude in the midst of even his own failures or yeah. whatever sin right backsliding call it what it is right yeah. even in the midst of all that he had the presence of mind or probably the presence of the holy spirit mm -hmm. to say something that got your attention as far as as far as the concept that there was a god and that you have a yeah. soul by the way that's one of the best questions i'm gonna tell your friend i'm gonna steal that question and i'm gonna use that just 
probably within the next two or three days with someone that I witnessed to, because that's a great question. You know, you have a soul, right? That yeah, talk about good. putting you on the spot. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. good. That's yeah. pretty good. I like that. So what was it about creation science that caught your attention or resonated with you? Or was there one event or one subject that caught your attention? With creation science, I would say when I finally started studying it with my criminal justice background, I kind of I don't look at any one piece of evidence as the type of thing that would you'd make a conclusion off of. So the oh, reason good. I believe in young earth creation is the preponderance of evidence. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of everything, every argument, all the evidence collectively that makes a good case to me. But if I were to pick one topic, I would say it would be the soft dinosaur tissue. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 yeah that's and, a huge uh, one. Fred, you'll have to remind me when was the Iron Lady's appearance on 60 Minutes. Does anybody remember exactly what year that was? I don't recall the year. <laughs> I do remember that her story, she started, I believe she discovered the stuff way back in 96. And it started, right, yeah, and it started hitting, you know, the science circles not too long after that, by at least the early 2000s. And then it's just taken off since then. And her 60 Minutes appearance wasn't that long ago. I want to say 2007. Uh, we can look it up. Uh, yeah. But I want to say around 2007. So dinosaur soft tissue became a topic 15 years ago when you were in your early 20s, mid 20s, mm-hmm. Kurt, right? Right. How did you yeah. hear about it? Because I didn't hear about it back then. <laughs> so I, I didn't hear about it when it came out. In fact, something that's interesting is all, all of this stuff, all of this evidence all this whole side of the argument, it's not mainstream at all. It seems like information that unless you look for it, you're not going to find it. Yeah. You know, that's what the, <laughs> man, yeah, the man on the street interviews that Ryan and I did last week. And if you missed that show, that was a lot of fun. Nobody that we interviewed knew about dinosaur soft tissue. And one guy, a Native American, he said that, you know, that's astonishing. He was this really smart guy that you could tell it for him. It had an impact. Others said, well, you know kind of him and Hod, but so many people don't know about what is really the paleontological discovery of the century. And this is major, major science that's not reported in National Enquirer or some other. Yeah, This is at Harvard and Stanford. They're all on board with this being original biological material. And so many people don't know about it. I remember telling a guy at work about this who's, he's either an agnostic or an atheist. And he was just enthralled on the web pages. I sent him to like a report on MSNBC. He's going to know right away. Well, this is, if they're showing this evidence, they're really far left. So it really is a powerful argument. It makes people really mm-hmm. think about well, dinosaurs, could, could they really be, you know, millions of years old like I was taught in school? You'd mentioned, Fred, that the devil is devious and that he knows if he can get you to doubt the first chapter, the first book in the Bible, the secular media, it basically smothered the dinosaur soft tissue baby in the crib. When that story first broke on 60 Minutes, that should have been a watershed event in the Mm -hmm. history of paleontology. But something happened that kept the whole world from finding out about it. And 
I think, well, Kurt, how did you find out about it? <laughs> uh, I first saw it in uh, Ken Tovin's Creation Seminar Series. Ah, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, right? Not exactly a mainstream news source. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and, you know, Mary Schweitzer, when she discovered it, the first thing that she thought was, well, how could soft tissue survive for millions of years? Yeah. And it's just so funny because that presupposition, right? It couldn't be right? the obvious mm -hmm. answer. It yep. couldn't be maybe because it's not millions of years old. Right? Yeah. Wow. And that's that. powerful, right? That's yeah. powerful testimony as to where her Mm -hmm. Yeah, her head was that. And it's interesting, you know, she's a Christian, you know, Dr. Gerald Van Dyke, we had him on the show last year, and he knows her personally, but she's so tied to her secular scientific circles. I'm, you know, speculating, yeah. but that's pretty, probably a pretty accurate speculation. That just keeps her from coming out and admitting, hey, this really shows that dinosaurs aren't millions of years old. Now, she's tried to come up with reasons to explain how it can last millions of years, and none of it flies scientifically it's just not valid so oh uh, yeah her and everybody else has tried yeah yeah so, i yeah. mean they've thrown everything at the wall nothing stuck to that one so far yeah, yeah they and call her the iron lady <laughs> she thinks somehow iron preserved it but yeah there's, <laughs> right. that's been refuted so right right and so on discord kirk do you try to actively engage with unbelievers does it just happen uh first of all tell us what discord is because i i'd like to know <laughs> i've heard about it uh it's just a kind of like a chat platform so if you have a, a community you can have an open format chat so there's like slack discord things like that the one that i'm on is just from a youtube channel i watch that talks about theological stuff so we have to we get on there can just open discussions talk about theological ideas and concepts and different interpretations and yeah and so based on the based on the youtube channel are you primarily interacting with other believers are there unbelievers what's the uh community like yeah they'd be they'd be other believers i'd say it's this specific one is uh inter not just interdenominational, but so it's all Christians, but we have some Eastern Orthodox people. We even have some Christian mystics, things like that on there. So it's kind of a collaborating ideas and just kind of open conversation to where we're not all just pointing fingers at each other saying heresy because we believe in some other doctrine. Ah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But just kind of discussing those ideas, laying them out on the table and discussing their merits and flaws. Okay, so it's, it's mostly uh, Christians then. But, yes. but with, you know, of course, as we know, many Christians, they may be a theistic evolutionist, which means they're a Christian, but somehow they think God used evolution. Then there's the other Christians who believe in an old earth. They may be on the intelligent design side, but they also accept the secular scientific community's view on the earth being billions of years old. And even to some extent, you know, many believe in the Big Bang and things like that. So it does get interesting. I've been on those forums before, not Discord, but... You do get quite a wide variety of Christians, and that gets back to why Real Science Radio is here, is to help build that foundation and support the foundation of the Bible in Genesis, because we can trust Genesis, and because we can trust Genesis, which Jesus, by the way, referred to Genesis, the first seven chapters, more than any other book in the Bible. If we can trust Genesis, we can trust the rest of the Bible. We can trust that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. And that he actually really did rise from the dead after three days, and he's alive, and he's our Savior, 
And it's why, hey, we get to go to heaven someday. Let's get the fullness of the Gentiles, guys. The sooner the better. And we can reach more with the foundational truths of the Bible. So I'm glad, Kurt, that you're doing this on Discord. Yeah, it's, the topic does come up. Me personally, I think theistic evolution is bat feathers. I just don't <laughs> don't think it would work. Really? Um, so what is it? What is it about theistic evolution that you find the most odious? So I don't doubt that God could do it that way, but I don't see any reason as to why anybody would rationally do it that way. So if I want to make a sandwich, right, I wouldn't just take the bread and the meat and the cheese and the tomatoes and the lettuce and put it into a big bowl and cover it and shake it up until a sandwich <laughs> fell together, right? You, If you shook it for long enough, that's plausible that it could happen, <laughs> right? Millions of years, something, yeah, maybe you finally get a sandwich. What would you rationally do? You would make a sandwich systematically. Put down the bread, layer everything on top, you design it, you make it. So I just feel that just because God could do something, there's no reason to think that he did. Yeah, that's interesting because it reminds me, I gave a creation talk at a youth conference years ago, and they had another guy at that conference that was talking more on psychology, and he believed in millions of years. He was a theistic evolutionist, basically. And he said that, well, God's like a pool player, and he just continues to make shots throughout history. And I'm like, dude, that sounds like a really bad pool player. Because you're talking about millions and millions of years of death, disease, and destruction. Because that's what the fossil record shows that, you know, he believes is millions of years of history. So to your point, Kurt, that doesn't sound rational to me. It sounds like a bad pool player. And in your analogy, it sounds like a bad cook or a bad sandwich maker. A bad deli worker. And then confuse this in the Bible, right? So the yeah. if you look at the genealogy, right, starting from Genesis 5, you can actually take all of the ages that are laid out there and you get get a timeline. Yeah. So you get, yeah. you get a timeline from creation to the flood. Why put those numbers specifically in there? Yeah. And they line up too perfectly. You can you can see all that. And so biblically too, I just think I think you're off base. As a Christian, if you're, you're you're not studying your Bible very well, if you don't recognize that part either. I've found in my discussions with people who are not young earth creationists is they're almost always pulling some sort of a Mary Schweitzer. They have a career. They have a position. They have a social circle that they're a part of that young earth creationism would threaten their position in one or more of those. And so, like a lot of people, you know, people don't like conflict. People don't like conflict, and so they'll choose to simply not push it on that subject and then eventually maybe even be either convinced or never really give young earth creationism a fair shake because they're more interested in just preserving their own comfort. Mm -hmm. And so your friend, when he asked you, when he challenged you and said, you know, you have a soul, right? <laughs> so he had to know that he was making you uncomfortable. He must have known that. And, and that's something I think that we as believers, we have to get comfortable with the idea that we're going to have to make unbelievers 
uncomfortable. And I want to know how do we do that in the modern era? There used to be a time when I first started in this business that you could get on the air, you could be broadcasting about creationism, the gospel, Jesus Christ, salvation, and somebody could be driving around and accidentally push a button or turn a dial and they would pick you up and they had no intention on trying to find you. What seems to have happened in the past decade as the internet has taken over broadcast airwaves, people have their own little channels and their own little worlds that they're in. How how can we break through the personalized bubble that we're all kind of able to put ourselves in now? And how can we get the gospel out there to people who aren't necessarily looking for it and make them uncomfortable about it? <laughs> and, and is Discord, is there a mechanism for that on platforms like Discord and where the younger people are talking today, Kurt? So Discord tends to be invite only. So it's like if you're a member of a community, I think it's used in the gaming community a lot. And I, I don't play video games. Yeah, so. that's what I thought I had heard about. It was from mm -hmm. gaming. Yeah. But for example, Reddit, I actually used to go and witness on Reddit. And it's a pretty toxic place. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I've, uh, yeah, but, I've... But you can make some, some progress in getting through to people a little bit there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I used to be on the, when I first started, I was on the Yahoo boards, which is real similar. And you had a pretty even mix of Christians and evolutionists, maybe even more evolutionists. Mm -hmm. But it's planting seeds, you know? A lot of these people, we don't know what they're thinking now, years later, since I did that. But it's a good way to reach out and witness to people, but also you have to be careful that you don't get, you know, sometimes you can just get so involved in it to almost making it counterproductive. And that's what I found, at least for myself. So there's a balance there. It is a good platform. You know, we need these kind of platforms to reach people because that's how a lot of people interact these days. And speaking of all that, Fred, what I would like to do, if we have time, I would like to bounce some questions off each other, some challenges about young earth, some challenges about the existence of God, the creator, so that we could maybe help our audience sharpen some of their arguments. I've got some questions that I'd like to bounce off, Kurt, and just uh, maybe try to challenge you, Kurt, and see what you have to say. And, and hopefully, just like your suggestion or, or, or your the story of your friend, well, you know you've got a soul, right? I mean, mm -hmm. maybe we could give our audience something like that. So if there's time, we're always running out of time yeah. on this show. <laughs> Like, is there a favorite piece of evidence that you use or a go-to argument, either apologetically for the Bible or for the, the science and creation? So for science and creation, I kind of think the pointing to a creator question. So, so you say like, okay, you see that car over there? Okay, where did it come from? Came from, okay, so somebody, somebody built it. Okay, so you know that somebody built it because it's there, right? So... Yep. Painting takes a painter, building takes a builder, and creation takes a creator. <laughs> it's yeah, just common it, sense. It's a great, great approach because it's right out of Hebrews. Every house has a builder. Well, great. but Kurt, you know, people in uh, the world of geology, 
who've actually taken measurements from down in the earth, they know that the geologic column exists. They see it and biblical creation and this idea of, of a giant sky daddy who created everything, it can't explain the geological column. How can you explain that? Well, the geologic column uses circular reasoning. So they date the column by the fossils that they find in it, and they date the fossils by the column they find it in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's, well, but, it's, but we know that we know that there's the, and I don't know it by heart, but there's the Mesozoic and the Paleozoic, yeah. and we know the ages of those layers. Yeah. That how do those, you know the ages? Of well, those have been established in science, in geology. People who have PhD degrees have written dissertations on those layers. So obviously that's established science. But yep. how do you, how do you know? Well, yeah. so, so, <laughs> you know, what it is, is as the layers, as we go down in the layers, we can see that the the creatures, the fossils, they get less and less sophisticated. And that really is the timeline that the geologists see every day when they're out there drilling for oil and they see it. And, and it's obvious that evolution is born out in, uh, and the geologic columns, just one of the pieces of evidence that I can point to that is established to prove that you know, things get less complicated as you go deeper and deeper down. What type of creatures do they find at the quote-unquote older layers? One cell, right? Starts as like one cell with a photosensitive dot, I think <laughs> is, the, I forget what it's called, but it's it's right down there at the very bottom. And then like up at the very top, you've got like the Jimi Hendrix's grave and, and it's it's like all the way down. This is what they believe and they're indoctrinated into believing because they're not looking outside of that little box that they were taught in college. And so that's the challenge with reaching these guys. But go ahead, Kurt. I was going to say, did you know they found a fossilized seashell on a, a mountain? <laughs> yeah, they found that. Yeah, they find those on mountains all the time. But another yeah. great one that we have from, huh. if you remember from Dr. Carl Baugh, they now have soft tissue and trilobites. So trilobites are supposed to be, you know, the simple creature. And by the way, they're not simple at all. They're incredibly complex. And they'll even say that in their own journals. But they don't think like that. They want to think it's simple and they want to think there's this progression. And they don't want to talk about all the examples where fossils are out of place, and which really in themselves can refute their whole column, which really they can't find anywhere in the world, basically. It's real hard to find their a pristine column it's always in pieces and different parts are here different parts are there that's the problem kurt that, that i know you're having to deal with all the time these guys they're so indoctrinated in this and we have to be ready and, and that's what real science radio is here for yeah. and for guys like you on discord provide all the evidence that we're finding in creation science that the the world is suppressing the secular media doesn't want anybody to know about us from that atheistic standpoint, just my time as an atheist, but I was also curious, right? My my friend planted that seed, God planted this seed in me. Mm-hmm. So anytime I found out somebody was a Christian, I would put them under interrogation. <laughs> I just had questions. But what I found is your typical Christians not very equipped mm-hmm. to answer these questions. They're just they're just uh-huh. not. And 
had I run across somebody like you guys or <laughs> any of the apologists I listened to or anything like that, you know, I might have come to faith a lot sooner in my life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, we are almost out of time, but, you know, Doug, there's the other thing that we've talked about it and Bob and I talked about it is, you know, like they find these jellyfish, a school of jellyfish and all these different layers, millions of layers worth, and they find one school of jellyfish. So is it that these jellyfish just, they decided to die at this one spot? Oh, okay. Our ancestors died there. Let's go die there too a million years later. And then another million years go by. And hey, this is where my great-great-great-great-granddad jellyfish died. So I'm going to die in this layer and get preserved here. I mean, there's so many things that just refute their worldview. Like I've said, it's like shooting apples in a barrel. Um, (laughs) And I know that that's not the right way you're supposed to say that. But like I've said, I'm sticking to it. Anyways, we actually are out of time, Kurt. Is there any thing that you'd like to sum up with all your witnessing you've done on discord and with friends and family any other thoughts that you want to share with the audience yeah i would just i would say try to use questions don't just go to the facts try to poke holes in their statements by asking them asking them to clarify you know the the word faith in the greek is actually pistis and if you look at the word epistemology And it's actually derived from the word faith. And epistemology is how we come to know things. So if you have a solid epistemology, it's because you have well-reasoned and a good number of reasons uh, to get from point A to point B at your conclusion. And so faith and reason are very much compatible. uh, Just because Mark Twain said faith means believe in stuff you know ain't true. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Mark, uh-huh. Mark Twain was wrong on that one. Yeah. So like, it's, yeah. It's like the Webster dictionary definition that faith is pretty much just this blind belief in religion, but it's not the Bible's definition of faith. The Bible's definition of faith is Hebrews 11. One faith is the evidence of things not seen. So well, we I have, appreciate your ability to remind us because when you're in the creationist community, so we get our blinders on and we tend to start focusing on protecting our own little corner of creation theory, forgetting that, forget about the in-house debates over which model fits which and who's right and who's wrong and who's figured out the distant starlight problem. And those are all interesting and fun things, mm-hmm. but the real value of creation science is outside of our little bailiwick. It's with all those people who, like you, are willing to be curious, aren't afraid to get a little bit uncomfortable when their presuppositions are challenged. And the reason Real Science Radio is here, why are we here? Thank God that your friend pricked your conscience relatively early in your life that left an opening. But that's why we're here is to expose unbelievers to facts that are irrefutable. And there are a whole library of irrefutable facts on our side. And uh, thank God for that. And thanks for coming on, Kurt, and sharing with us about what's going on uh, out there in the world and helping remind us of why we're here. Yeah, for fighting in the trenches. Amen. Well, thank you. Thank you, Doug. Thank you, Fred. So much for having me on, and uh, I really enjoyed this. Hopefully, we can keep in touch and keep talking, sharing information, and always looking to fellowship with 
fellow creation scientists. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely been our pleasure, Kurt. And I want to let our audience know that uh, if you're watching on YouTube, we have the Dominic Inyart show signed back here. We're doing some reshuffling around, and I'd encourage you, check out the Dominic Inyart show. He's got some really good stuff. He's got a really good production team helping him come up with, uh, you know, analyzing current news events from biblical and Christian perspective. So just a plug for that show. And what a great sign yeah. he's got back here. That's really cool. So That's gorgeous, gorgeous. So, Kurt, you're young to me and Fred. We, we talk to you so we can find out what's going on with the younger crowd. You could listen to Dominic Enyart so that you can find out what's going on with the younger crowd. Oh, well, there we go. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's got it going on for being so young. He's really got it together and really is a blessing. I've been really blessed to witness the growth of Dominic and what he's doing with the ministry and uh, just glad to be a part of it and glad to have got to meet you, Kurt and Fred. Appreciate you having me on as always. Oh yeah. Love you as the co-host. Thanks again, Doug. I, man, <laughs> I missed you on that assignment, but thanks. Well, for, I hope you got it taken care of. Yeah, we, we did. And thanks <laughs> for uh, covering for me in the middle of December. Your last show with Dr. Paul Homan was excellent. I encourage everybody to go back and check out those climate change shows. Those were really good. So, Oh, yeah, there you go. Kurt, if you've ever had climate hysterics, that uh, <laughs> they're everywhere. But another great inroad to put chinks in the armor of the atheistic worldview is to be able to point out the absurdity of the climate hoax. Yep, exactly. And, yeah, if you, if you guys didn't yeah. catch the show... Go back the end of 2023. Check out Paul Homan on climate change. Yep. Really Dr. good Paul stuff. Paul Homan. All right. So for Doug McBurney and Kurt Rushlow, I'm Fred Williams of Real Science Radio. May God bless you. Intelligent design and DNA. Scholars can't explain it all the way. Get ready to be awed by the handiwork of God. Tune in to Real Science Radio. talking about.